Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby for the concession stand with your host, J.W. Caldwell. Yes, welcome to the latest edition of the concession stand. I'm your host, J.W. Caldwell, Florida Movie Guy on Facebook. Uh, and you can also find me at JWPA Movie Guy on Twitter. Um, big week, lots of good stuff going on as we uh, quickly unfold through the summer of 2016 um movies are kind of doing okay kind of doing uh, but we had a big weekend um finding dory jumped to the top of the list and although box office was down this father's day weekend six percent from last year last year had the uh double one-two punch of inside out and jurassic world in its second week uh but finding dory did open finding dory is now the all-time Animated box office opening, biggest of all time. Uh, it's second best for June, 135.1, which is, of course, behind last year's Jurassic World, which uh, was gangbusters. Um, but Finding Dory did very well. Um, people love it. It's going to have a big, huge second weekend, uh, which may or may not be enough to uh, keep Independence Day resurgence in its place. We'll have to see about that. Um, also, another big movie that opened this, this past weekend, uh, Central Intelligence. Uh, there was an audience for Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson. Uh, did very well. Uh, lots of good movies that it, you know, in, in the footsteps of. Um, but it did have a great weekend. And the other big shocking story about box office uh, is Warcraft. Because Warcraft is humming along, um, not doing great domestically. Uh, it's kind of like in fourth or fifth place. But thank God for China, because China is just keeping the movie humming along. It's already grossed three hundred seventy-eight point nine million dollars, um, two hundred million alone in China, which is just off the charts, it's incredible. And it's going to be enough for this box office behemoth worldwide. It's going to make enough money to get a sequel, I think. Um, and actually, I saw the movie this past weekend. It's I actually wasn't super bad, but I think one of the things that it, you know, first off, it's based on a video game, and you know, for you know, whether or not you love the video game is going to, you know, if you really love the movie, you'll love the video game. And, you know, if you love the video game, you'll really love the movie. Um, I'm not a big, you know, player of the game, so I didn't. I was going in with, you know, just give me a couple good characters, let me see what I can do with it, and I, tell me about your world. Um, and they do a pretty good job of world building, although you know, kind of ends right where you want it to start. You want you want the characters to get going, and you want everybody to be together and and questing alliance versus horde, and let's get going. Um, Nick uh, Flamel from uh, Vikings is really really good as Lothar, um, the the fighter, and the mage is actually pretty cool too. Um, I enjoyed it; thought it was good, had a good time in it. Um, but it is one of the box office stories of the year with this incredible worldwide box office that's just jumping up and doing so well that it's going to garner, you know, it's going to garner a sequel just based on the fact that we're talking about 
worldwide box office. So good stuff there. Um, let's get right to the casting corner because casting this week, uh, so many things, so many incredible casting stories coming out this week. Um, first and foremost, we're going to get Dan Donald Glover of Community and so many great um, side projects, um, uh, especially the Childish Gambino. Uh, he will be in Spider-Man Homecoming. Now, the question becomes, you know, who is he? Um, at the time when they were casting Spider-Man a few years back, when Andrew Garfield got the role, uh, there was a chance he was going to be Miles Morales. But that time, I think, has passed. So where are we at now? Is he a villain? Uh, and, like, do we get somebody we haven't seen yet? Um, yeah, how many villains are going to be lurking in this particular Spider-Man Homecoming movie? Because there's a lot of casting going on with older character actors, you know, especially Mike Keaton and whatnot. But maybe Donald Glover's playing somebody younger. Maybe he's playing somebody that's related to Miles Morales. Maybe he's playing some a major villain. I would love to see his take on like Doc Ock or maybe even the Chameleon, uh, somebody that you know, one of the oldest Spider-Man villains that hasn't been used yet. But where we go is wow, that's the question. Um, another big casting story of the week: Sasha Baron Cohen, who's kind of hit or miss right now, um, but is a great character actor and he can do a lot of good things uh, on screen. Um, and I think that's why he's still getting shots. I mean, the Brothers Grimsby didn't hit, wasn't very well received. But he still has Borat in his pocket. He still has, you know, uh, Ali G in his pocket. He still, he still can do a great many things on screen. He was cast this week um, as Mandrake the Magician. Now, Mandrake the Magician is an older character. Um, and I, I think it's the next phase we're going to have where we're mining older characters. Um because one of my later casting uh, casting corner announcements is somebody jumping in after Sasha Baron Cohen into something that's, again, in the same vein, like the older pulpy noir comics, you know, from, from the 50s. Uh, you know, so Mandrake the Magician. Um, it's going to be directed by Ethan Cohen, uh, you know, who directed Get Hard, which isn't very good, but he wrote Idiocracy. And he wrote uh, Tropic Thunder, and he wrote the very criminally underrated Men in Black 3, which, because people hate Men in Black 2, nobody wants to see it or didn't go to see it in droves. Men in Black 3 is way better than Men in Black 2. So, um, But he's he's directing it. You know, what can Sasha Baron Cohen do with that character? It's an interesting character. It's, a, you know, it's, you know, and the character in the comic books even had, like, a, kind of a slave bodyguard and... Yeah, I'm sure we can play with that and do wonderful things. Are they going to do straight comedy? Is it going to be the Green Hornet? Or are they going to do a serious take on it with comedic elements to it, as any pulpy, great comic book movie would have? But it ties in because we're heading to a place where that's the next mining place for big-budget action movies. Because The Rock also made, you know, Dwayne Johnson, who had a big week with Central Intelligence, was cast this week in Doc Savage. Now, Doc Savage is another character, you know, high IQ, you know, man of action, you know, crazy stuff. Um, socially awkward, too. Kind of, uh, you know, uh, for his time, the way he's written, he kind of reads autistic at times. Um, just socially awkward, doesn't really play well with others. And The Rock is going to be cast, um, cast as Doc Savage um, for Shane Black, who, you know... If you haven't seen The Nice Guys this summer, 
uh, shame on you because it was such a great movie. But Shane Black can write these things. He's very good at writing these things. And Doc Savage is one of those characters that's coming back. Now, Mandrake the Magician, um, for people listening to the podcast that remember a show in the, in the 90s, uh, a television action show called Defenders of the Earth, which was a cartoon show. Um, you know, Defenders of the Earth had Flash Gordon and they were fighting Ming the Mer- Merciless. And Mandrake the Magician was on that show. So that's why I think we're headed to the next place where we're mining because uh, we have an overabundance of superhero movies. Now we're going to start seeing the the mining of the pulp, not, you know, novels that people grew up on or that were kind of the predecessors to, or in some cases, the answers to, you know, comic book heroes. Um, so The Rock is cast as Doc Savage. Shane Black is directing. I have nothing but the utmost respect for Shane Black. Shane Black, you know, wrote the original Lethal Weapon, wrote the nice guys this summer wrote Iron Man three, which is underrated an underrated Marvel movie. Um, and we'll see what happens with that. Um, other casting news, Beverly Hills cop four was announced this week. Uh, Eddie Murphy is jumping into it. And I, I'm excited, I guess. I, I, I just don't know. I don't, I think Eddie Murphy is a little bit too old to be playing Axel Foley the way I want to see Axel Foley, which is, the first two Beverly Hills Cop movies. So, again, if you want to see one of the great comedic action characters, um, you know, especially from the 80s, uh, Beverly Hills Cop and Beverly Hills Cop 2 are easily, uh, you know, two of the best action comedies ever made. They're they're in the discussion for any of those. Um, Beverly Hills Cop 4, I don't know where we're headed. I don't know what they're going to do with it. I don't know how they're going to bring him to the present. And Eddie hasn't really been working or doing anything or, and he hasn't been funny for a while. You know, I mean, he had a great run in dream girls and then didn't get the Oscar nomination he was thinking about. Um, he's done this, you know, a series of kitty movies and, you know, went, you know, totally kitty with the nutty, the nutty professors. And then the, you know, the Dr. Doolittles and the haunted mansions. So he hasn't been Axel Foley in a while. So what happens there will be a big question. Um, John Boyega was also cast this week um, in Pacific Rim 2. Uh, that, uh, you know, Pacific Rim, for people who know me and people who uh, may have seen me talk about it or listen to me or I'd ever get into it, Pacific Rim is one of my favorite movies that didn't hit in the last four or five years. Um, I love Pacific Rim. I love the idea of giant monsters fighting giant robots. I love Guillermo del Toro. Um, Pacific Rim, along with John Carter of Mars, are two of my favorite movies that were completely mismarketed and just didn't get the the love and attention they deserve. Although they've gotten it on video and they got it overseas, you know, worldwide. Um, they didn't get domestic love. And, you know, a lot of it is because they're based on they're movies that are based on the love and, and cherishing of childhood properties, movies that we saw when we were kids. And so you have Pacific Rim 2 coming out, John Boyega, hot off of Star Wars, hot, you know, hot as can be, uh, jumping into that, and he's been cast. So will we see him suit up with Charlie Hunnam, and we'll, and we'll get a little gypsy, gypsy danger going again? I, you know, couldn't get more excited. John Boyega, actually, we're going to talk about a John Boyega movie that, uh, if you're a fan of Star Wars, if you really liked him as, as you know, as Finn, um, 
you're going to jump in right, right away and basically, uh, you know, you got to see it. It's, uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit later um, when we're talking about Independence Day Resurgence, which is a big movie coming out this week. Um, so, you know, some other things that are going on. Uh, Bruce Willis uh, was cast in Eli Roth's remake of Death Wish. Now, Death Wish, the script has been kicking around for a while. Uh, Joel Carnahan, who, you know, who's a really good director and also a really good writer, has been kicking the script around for a while. And Bruce Willis at one point was attached and then not attached. Now he's back attached. And uh, whether or not we get the, you know, if it's going to be the classic kind of setup of the original Death Wish, which is, you know, one of the classic 70s movies, Charles Bronson and the ultimate tough guy, um, you know, basically very graphic, violent you know, Death Wish, and, and before Death Wish, Death Wish 2, and then it became kind of a kind of a parody of itself. But the first two are gritty, gripping, you know, dealing with uh, all of a sense, you know, morality and rage and what you're willing to do and how far you're willing to go, vigilantism. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, you know, Bruce Willis, you know, a, a, he's always, he's an action star. So, you know... M- very hard to see him as an everyman, and I think one of the things that I'm scared about is that Bronson was able to achieve the everyman persona so succinctly in the Death Wish, the first Death Wish and Death Wish 2, um, that he it was able to overshadow his action star roots, um, and whether or not it, were, it will be remain to be seen whether or not Bruce Willis can pull that off. And I have, I have hopes, but Bruce has recently has kind of you know, gotten away from being Bruce Willis, the actor, action star, and it's more Bruce Willis, actions, you know, action star, movie star, whatever, whatever the hell's going on, where the ego is kind of run rampant. So hopefully we can get, uh, you know, a good sense of where it's going and what's happening with it and how we can, you know, maybe see... Eli Roth's vision for the script, which, uh, you know, here is pretty good for a remake, um, and whether or not they can pull it off. Um, I'm hoping they can, um, but I'm also kind of leery about it. I'm not going to lie. Um, so other big, the, the other biggest news, if you're a horror movie fan of the week, isn't really casting per se as a more of a, a jump back. Um, all of a sudden... Um, the Halloween franchise has been uh, kind of picked up and it's about to be resuscitated by, by uh, Jason Bloom and Bloomhouse. Um, you know, they, they're doing all the horror movies. They're the premier right now, big budget horror house, you know, the insidious movies um, and, and a lot of a lot of stuff. Their, their ghost house production house is doing a lot of good things. I'm trying to keep big budget horror films relevant and also trying to make them profitable, which isn't, you know, is, is easier said than done. Um, they, they recently picked up the rights and are remaking or rebooting or whatever they're going to do with the franchise for Halloween. So Michael Myers, my favorite of all time, my favorite horror icon of all time. I love Michael, um, is getting rebooted. But the big thing here is they went to somebody that's kind of been, uh, left out in the cold. They went to John Carpenter, who made the original Halloween and and did so many you know so many great movies in the 80s 
and who's kind of been left for, you know, Hollywood dead uh, for a long time because people don't get him or people don't, you know, a lot of his movies get cut by the studio and they don't understand what he's going for. Um, you know, and he's such a, um, an auteur in the truest sense of the word that, you know, he's, you know, a tough, older, seasoned filmmaker who, who was, was disgusted by the Hollywood system and basically has allowed, you know, that disgust to stop him from making movies, which is a terrible thing. Um, Jason Bloom has decided he's going to bring him in and we're going to have him executive produce and reinvent the franchise again. Um, and it couldn't come sooner. I, I, I love Michael. I've always loved Michael. I'm essentially, I, I've always been upset with regards to where Michael went with the zombie film, uh, the zombie films. Cause I absolutely hate the Rob zombie version of Michael. I hate the Rob zombie version of Halloween. I hate Dr. Loomis in, in zombies version. I, I, there are so many things I hate about the, the Rob zombie Halloweens that, I could do an entire show on it, uh, just going point by point. Um, but I, I won't do that with a happier time coming that maybe we get our Michael back. Maybe it's with uh, filmmakers that actually care about the franchise. Maybe it's with filmmakers that care about John Carpenter and his place. You know, so many great movies, uh, so many things that he's made, you know, um, that were just ahead of their time or, you know, just discovered and basically, you know, didn't do as great when they first came out in theaters, but now are beloved by the nerdery like myself. And so, you know, I, I hope everything works out. I hope they can reinvent the franchise and go from there. Um, okay. So you got a lot, of, a lot of good things going on. You got a lot of great things coming out. And it's, you know, a week before July 4th, the July 4th holiday. Um, so let's go to new releases. Uh, biggest new release of the weekend, obviously, is Independence Day Resurgence. Um, you know, and the ads are touting it 20 years after the fact. Here we are, uh, you know, with a sequel that I don't know that I'm thrilled with. I don't know how excited people are about it. I don't know why. There are, there are a couple movies this summer I just go, why are we doing this? Is it just you know, to put on the nostalgia cap. Now, this movie does have potential, I will say, uh, on my podcast, to be the nostalgia movie of the summer that gets everybody out of their seats and drags everybody to the to the theaters, uh, families. It happened last summer with Jurassic World that, that all of a sudden, you know, dropped, hit, nobody was expecting it to hit the way it did. And once it did, it was, you know, it was chalked up to nostalgia, chalked up to whatever. The movie that has that potential this summer is Independence Day Resurgence um, because the first movie is so well-received and because even even now it's beloved. I mean, it is one of Will Smith's biggest and best action blockbusters and Jeff Goldblum's great in it and it's it's still a, a standard by which other blockbuster and devastation and apocalypse movies are judged. Uh, so, you know, you have it opening... On a lot of screens, you have it. No Will Smith in sight, though. Just Jeff Goldblum coming back with Bill Pullman coming back. No Will Smith, Liam Hemsworth, um, Jesse Usher, of course, playing Dylan Hiller, which is the little guy from the first one. So basically, you know, following in his father's footsteps. Um, and they've done a nice mar viral marketing campaign, if you want to check into it, about 
what happened to Stephen Hiller, what happened to the pilot, uh, Will Smith's character from the original Independence Day. Um, you know, you don't want to just say, well, we couldn't afford him now. You know, we couldn't afford him in our in our little big budget spectacle. Um, he's too big. You know, I, and the funny thing about it is I would have assumed he would be president by now because he was the hero of, you know, Independence Day. But anyway, um, so that movie's coming out. Uh, Roland Emmerich is back. Here's another scary thing. The first one's written by two people. This one is written by six. Um, and there's no screen, no press screenings re- uh, for the movie. So I don't know. I, I do think it, it will have a nostalgic factor. I, I think one of those things that could benefit greatly from the movie is if it wears a heart, its heart on its sleeve and doesn't, you know, doesn't strive to be anything more than a popcorn blockbuster that gets everybody jacked and sends people out into the, the you know, out into the world with after two hours of enjoyment where we beat some aliens up and take our planet back. Um, I think it's going to have a big weekend. I don't know that I can get past Finding Dory in its second weekend. But it does have the nostalgia factor. And nostalgia right now is an incredible thing at the box office. And it's an incredible thing for people my age. Um, A quick story about Independence Day. Um, I have a good friend, Ren Schmidt, and my father, Gary Caldwell. um, And also uh, a a nice gentleman named Ron Angeli all play into the story. When when I was younger, uh, my dad uh, ran a movie theater for United Artists. And he knew Ron Angeli from a time he ran a movie theater in Scranton, Pennsylvania, uh, at the Viewmont Cinema that was opened at some point in the Viewmont Mall. Um, he knew Ron Angeli, who eventually would be a major player with United Artists, that chain. Um, and Ron Angeli invited us down to see a, uh, an early screening of Independence Day. Uh, so I, we packed up a car, and it was my friend Ren and my dad, and we went to Ron Angeli's theater and saw Independence Day before anyone else. Um, and actually some of the special effects weren't completed and it is one of the seminal movie going events because it was, it was just a great day, um, and a great weekend that I had with my dad and my good friend, Ren and, uh, Ryan Angeli took good, very good care of us. We got very drunk the night before the screening, um, and had steak and beer and it, it was good. It was a good time. Um, you know, I was 22 and. I just I remember it vividly, and I remember my dad being very happy because he was he had you know brought Ron Angeli into the movie business, and Ron Angeli invited him and got him back into the movie business. So it was you know it was a great weekend, and you know we saw the movie early. We actually also saw the first trailer for the Star Wars um, re-releases they were going to do. Uh, the, the trailer was on the front of Independence Day, so um, we sat in the theater, uh, saw Independence Day early in a very big theater in. Philadelphia, and so it's one of those seminal movie-going events from my childhood or my younger days. Um, so I hope it's going to be good. I don't know. I just don't know. Um, and I'm whispering. Uh, also opening this week, well, actually, one of the things we do when we talk about new releases, Independence Day is a major new release. So what what should you be looking for um, digitally or online or to rent or to buy or something basically that could put you in the mood for a good alien invasion. Um, I have a couple and I'm going to give them in no order. We talked about John Carpenter, uh, getting back to Halloween. If you want to see a great alien invasion movie that plays tremendously well right now and is an incredible movie, 
they live. Roddy Piper. Uh, yes, the wrestler, the classic wrestler, Roddy Roddy Piper. Um, and basically, it's an alien invasion movie, and if you haven't seen it, I, I won't spoil it, but it's, it is as uh, incredibly evocative of today as it was in the 80s when it came out. And basically, you know, aliens have invaded, but they've they've kind of done it in a in a fashion where we don't even know they're here. Um, and it's a great movie. It's it's genius. It's a fantastic sci-fi movie. It's a fantastic invasion movie. And it is John Carpenter, so it's really well done. And I can't think of a better way to, to have fun watching alien movies than to watch They Live and then go see Independence Day. Uh, the original Independence Day has got to be on the list because, you, you know, you should see it before you go see the new one anyway. So do that. Um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space actually is also an interesting pick because it's it's an invasion movie with giant clowns that are from outer space. And it doesn't get much better than that. But also because it's kind of an amazing thing. They're actually getting ready to reboot it as a miniseries. I think it's going to be on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon, one of those three. So you have... You know, killer clowns, they, you know, the way they go about and they catch people and they do things. There's a cotton candy uh, thing in it that's just terrifying. Um, and it's great. You know, the only way to kill the, the clowns is to pop their noses, which, you know, that's fun. <laughs> but you should see it. And the other movie that I'm going to recommend, if you're going to, if you're in a, an alien invasion kind of mood and you really want to see something that's cutting edge cult movie, amazing John Boyega before he became Finn, before we, you know, before he, we discovered him. And the reason I think he actually got Star Wars from Abrams, there is a fantastic movie called Attack the Block. And it's basically about uh, British youth hoodlums, young, young kids, uh, basically stopping an alien invasion. And it's, it is tremendous. The creature design is very interesting. It is. I will toot the, the horn for this movie until until I go into a grave. It is such a great movie. Lots of fun. Um, the Cockney is a little bit tough, though. The accents are rough. But it is a fantastic movie. You should check it out. So, Independence Day, the original, Attack the Block, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, They Live. A good way to start your alien invasion movie-going week before you see Independence Day Resurgence. Um, also opening this week, The Shallows, which is Blake Lively. Um, it's a shark movie. It's a shark surfing movie. So um, it looks interesting. I, again, no reviews are being made for it. I, I do love man versus nature movies or woman versus nature movies, depending on however you want to say it. So I'm, I'm slightly intrigued. I'm also terrified of sharks. And I think I live in Florida now, so it's it's a terrifying prospect, the, these sharks. Um, but, you know... You can't talk about shark movies in the summer without Jaws. Jaws is one of my five favorite movies of all time. Um, it is the piece de resistance of action-adventure movies. It is, you know, man versus nature in all its glory, and it cannot be equaled, and it will never be It'll never be remade or anything like that. So check out Jaws before you go see The Shallows, although you might not want to do that because once you watch Jaws, The Shallows might be insignificant. Um, another great shark movie is Open Water, uh, which is, you know, it's kind of uh, set in real time. It's about two divers that get left on, on a trip, and the whole movie is basically about them trying to stave off shark attacks while they're waiting for rescue. Um, it's an independent, it's 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 pretty well shot, and the acting is not great, but it's real. They, they're very, 
uh, they seem real. They seem terrified, completely terrified. Um, and of course, the other shark movie I'm never going to not pick it is Deep Blue Sea. I have as much love for Deep Blue Sea as I have for Attack the Block and Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and they live. Um, I just love Deep Blue Sea. Uh, the idea that you're going to mutate sharks and make them smarter, and they're going to attack everybody and kill people. I'm I'm all in because uh, I love shark movies, and it's got LL Cool J. Can't go wrong with LL Cool J, and you can't go wrong with you know mutated sharks that are smarter than everybody else. Uh, so that's if you're in the mood to go through the shallows. A couple other um, movies opening this weekend: The Neon Demon, um, which is Nicholas Winding Refn. Uh, who is Bronson Drive and Only God Forgives. And if you like him as a director, then you're probably going to at least enjoy The Neon Demon. Now, here's the thing. Drive is a great movie, but these are acquired taste movies. He's a very much an acquired taste. He makes interesting-looking films, to say the least. And this one is a take on horror films, uh, basically about a young a young girl going out to L.A. and basically you know, falling victim to beauty and avarice and all kinds of things that could go wrong when you have a girl being taken out of regular elements and put in the, the L.A. modeling scene. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if he can pull off the horror film. The one thing about his movies that I will say, they're not all uh, coherent narratively, but they are incredible to look at. So, you know, at the very least, you'll get something out of them where you go, wow, that's that's interesting cinematography or some interesting color schemes. He, he's really quite an interesting auteur in that regard. Now, his earlier stuff is actually, I think, better. I, I think as he's progressed, he's gotten he's gotten away from telling just telling stories. Bronson uh, is really, really good, and Drive is really, really good. I, I enjoy both of them. Um, and he's kind of getting away from that and going towards these weird, quirky things. But his style is unique and all his own. Uh, also, Free State of Jones is opening... Matthew McConaughey, the reviews have not been good and kind. And it's basically a, a true story of a man who, uh, you know, created a free state to fight the Confederacy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing it's very um, textbooky, very historical textbooky uh, is what, what they're going to say. And so if that's the case, I, I have to recommend some movies to you that, you know, get away from the textbooks and get you towards where you need to go. Um, and that's 12 Years a Slave, which... You know, it was a great movie that came out um, a couple years ago. Uh, harrowing, incredible, amazingly well done. Um, and just performances, you know, that Chuelo Elijah for and just Lupita Nyong'o, uh, you know, that stay with you long after the fact. You know, the kind of uh, searing film where history jumps off the screen and, and you know, embeds your brain. Also, Glory, which is Denzel Washington, Matthew Broderick, uh, about uh, a black Civil War unit um, that, you know, fights fights in the Civil War and basically has all the, pro you know, issues and problems of being, you know, fighting for the, the abolition of slavery. It's a genius film. It brought Denzel Washington in, into the world of films. And, you know, uh, you know, he's never not a movie star after the moment in Glory. And then, you know, if you really want to go back and you really want to try to, you know, envision how Hollywood has put history on film, Gone with the Wind. Go back. Watch Gone with the Wind. You know, it's 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 older. It, it's a long movie. It goes very long. But there's a lot of great things involved. A lot of, you know, Vivian Lee and Clark Gable. And it, it, it tackles a lot of these great historical moments 
and with a verve that we just don't get in filmmaking. Um, so that's where we're going with those. That's a good a good start. You know, you can find all those movies and just go out and get them. And uh, you know, I want to talk a couple a couple things before we end the show this week. Um, I I live in Orlando now. I live near Orlando and. Uh, Deltona, which is a couple, uh, you know, about a half hour, 45 minutes out of Orlando. And this past week has been terrible for for folks, uh, you know, in the Orlando area and the surrounding area of Central Florida. Um, you know, we had, we had, you know, a singer shot and killed at one of her concerts. We then had the incredible tragedy at the Pulse nightclub, which... Uh, I can't even put into words or comprehension, you know, um, just, you know, people with doing things horribly to our fellow human beings. It makes me sad on, on a much, you know, on a cellular level because I would, I'd much rather just talk about movies and get people going and get excited about art and get excited about entertainment. But I, I want to take a moment to say I'm, I'm Orlando strong and I, I, want people to to know I'm I'm proud of our area and how we reacted. And, you know, I want everybody, the, the friend the friends, family, everybody that's been affected by the tragic events in Orlando with the, the Grimmy shooting and with the Pulse nightclub and with the child that was killed at Disneyland as well. Um, I'm thinking of my thoughts and prayers are with you and your family. And my thoughts and prayers are also with the family and friends of Anton Yelchin, who died at 27 years old. Uh, you know, an tra incredible tragedy uh, because I feel like the young actor would have done great things. Uh, you know, his signature movie, I think for me, aside from Star Trek, the two Star Trek, uh, Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness, is Charlie Bartlett, which is a really, um, it's not great, but it's well done and he's really good in it with a quirky sense of humor and charm that I think was one of his defining characteristics as an actor that it would take on these weird roles. Um, and his latest, uh, The Green Room, as well, is, you know, he's he's everything you'd want in a charismatic young actor, and, and he's taken way too soon in a, in a completely tragic accident at 27. He also, he also was much better than expected in the Fright Night remake, which I don't hate. I'm, gonna lie, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't hate it. I don't think it's a great movie, but still. So Orlando Strong, thinking about the friends and family there, and also thinking about the friends and family of Anton Yelchin, you'll be missed. Uh, I don't know what they do, how they, you know, replace you with regards to Star Trek, because you were great in the Star Trek movies. Um, so, all the best there. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. Uh, my name is J.W. Caldwell. You can find me on Facebook at, at the Florida Movie Guy, or you can find me on Twitter at JWPA Movie Guy. Um, Reach out, connect with me. Uh, we're we're actually going to you know start doing some more on Blogspot Radio, uh, which is very exciting. We might even have a couple of live shows. Uh, tell me what you want to hear. If you, if you leave me a message, leave me some comments. Follow the podcast at that at that site, and um, I hope to hear from you. Take care. Get some movies. Make sure you grab some popcorn and soda and some candy. Head to the concession stand. Have a great week. <laughs>